welcome to Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. We have a bi-weekly show that's released every other Friday, and this is episode 16, Sweet 16. On horror <laughs> mo- <laughs> did you like that, Josh? I did like that, yeah. Okay, I'm trying to spice it up a little bit. Oh, on, yeah. on Horror Movie Podcast, you'll hear in-depth horror movie reviews, especially for new releases, with ratings and recommendations to help you decide whether you should buy, rent, or avoid these movies. And I am your host, Jay of the Dead, podcasting from Salt Lake City, and my lone co-host tonight is... Wolfman Josh. How's it going, Jay? Oh, it's pretty good. What about you, brother? I'm doing all right. (laughs) As we release this episode, Josh, this because I'm actually going to release this one on time, on Friday... I will be in Las Vegas. So when people are hearing this, think of me in Las Vegas. <laughs> Sin City. That's right. I'm going to go to Bill Shetty's house and steal all his movies. Because <laughs> he's down there. And, um, you know, I just want to tell Jeff Hammer, don't try to go to my house to steal my stuff because there's still going to be people there. So <laughs> anyway, so Dr. Shock, our main man. He's so dedicated, but I just want people to know that tonight he had to work like a monster giant shift and he came home and crashed. So he's he's not able to join us and he regrets that. He's down for the count. He is, but he said I will say he's not quite as dedicated as Andy Howell, our co-host over on Movie Podcast Weekly, who <laughs> will podcast while sleeping all the time. He, he he literally snores on the show. So <laughs> we need some kind of circus act like that on this show, Josh. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's better or worse that, yeah, I, I guess I prefer the doc uh, isn't sleeping while we're, while we're podcasting, but I do find it funny when Andy does it. <laughs> it sure is funny. All right. Well, we got some um, brief announcements that we'll get to later on just to tell you about some changes on the show, but I think they'll ultimately be good. But right now, Honestly, and don't be nervous, anybody, because like we are serious about this show. The changes are all in the heart with the intent of making the show even better, leaner and meaner. Okay, so Josh, let's kick this off here. We got a couple of films we want to review. Our feature review tonight is going to be for Ty West's new film, The Sacrament. We can't wait. We can't wait for that. I'm super excited about that. And we've also got a couple other relatively newer films to review for you, so let's just jump in. You guys ready? Watch it. We've been to some of the most chaotic, war-torn places in the world, but never for something as bizarre as this. Here we are. Welcome to Eden Parish. You guys built all this? Father had a vision, and we built heaven here on Earth. Who is Father? He's the guy that started all of this. Can we speak with him at some point? He agreed to sit for an interview tonight at the gathering. It's been pretty amazing. Everyone we've talked to seems to feel that this is everything they ever wanted, and they all credit you for that. Oh, I don't deserve the credit. You come down here, and I'll give you a place to live. I'll give you a job. I'll give you a bed. These people are my family, my children. And when you write this up, just know that you're dealing with their lives. All right, so to kick off this episode, I'm going to start off fighting with one of my <laughs> best friends in the world, Josh Legary. Now, here's what the listeners don't know, Josh. For the past two days, you and I have been cats and dogs, like fighting <laughs> through text messages about the sacrament. So why don't you 
you I'll give you the floor first and tell me why you've been fighting with me and just lay it out there. I'm ready. Well, Jason and I, for those who don't know, do a sister podcast to this called Movie Podcast Weekly, where we review new movies that are playing in theaters that are not typically horror based. And we, other than Jason's recommendation segment, often save our horror reviews for horror movie podcasts. And so when we heard that a new Ty West movie was coming out, I think we both assumed we would be covering it on horror movie podcast. Well, then I went and saw the sacrament and texted Jason and I said, Hey man, if, uh, if you haven't seen the sacrament yet, don't bother covering it for horror movie podcast. Um, you know, it's, it's a better fit for movie podcast weekly and we can just go ahead and review, uh, blood glacier, which is another new release this week, uh, instead of for horror movie podcast. And Jason said, well, actually I already did see the sacrament and I'm <laughs> planning on reviewing it. <laughs> <laughs> At which point I lost my mind <laughs> because I don't get it. I just don't get it. Um, you got me part- in so much trouble with my wife that day because <laughs> I was really mad at you because we were. I was at Walmart when we were having this first texting battle. And I was mad at you, and I'm a very slow texter. I have a crappy phone that's from 1994. And I text very slowly, so I'm trying to text Josh, and my wife's like wanting me to shop at Walmart with her and pay attention and take care of the kids. And it's a disaster because I'm mad at you, and I'm trying to text as fast as I can. So I just wanted to throw it in there. Go ahead. Sorry. No. So, um, I mean, <laughs> there's not a whole lot more to the story, just that Jason, and I, you know, and I, and I texted him, why? <laughs> I remember it, and, and he just texted back, Ty West. And I was just like, okay, so are we going to review uh, Wes Craven's violin movie with Meryl Streep next? And and Jason said, if it was new. (laughs) So I just wanted all the horror fans out there to just be really glad that Paul Walker died or we'd be reviewing James Wan's Fast and the Furious movie on Horror Movie Podcast for a feature review coming up. You're, you're a terrible person. Okay, are you, I'm just thinking of the horror fans. I don't. Me I don't, too. Me too. I don't see why we would talk about this on this movie. It doesn't make any sense. We literally, and I'm not. I am being a little. I mean, I'm goofing around, but right. I honestly mean it. We might as well be reviewing Music of the Heart by Wes Craven if we're going to be talking about <laughs> the Sacrament on horror movie podcast. It doesn't make any sense. And furthermore, <laughs> say it. Say it. It's just as annoying that we pass up the opportunity to feature review this on a pike our other podcast where it would fit well, where our listeners would appreciate that kind of recommendation. And when there was a brand new other horror movie that came out this week, Blood Glacier, that we could have been talking about. Now, real quick on Blood Glacier, we were also texting about that and I wanted to <laughs> review that tonight. But you led me to believe that you weren't going to do that. So No, okay. Well, I just said I don't want to squeeze in. I don't want to have to kill myself to squeeze in another movie this week unless we're going to replace the sacrament. (laughs) Do the listeners see this coercion that I have to put up with? So do you want to hear my side of it now? (laughs) Because here's the thing, Josh. When I was texting you those like one and two word answers, like I had my wife griping at me. And I'm a slow texter, so that was all I could do at the time. But number one, yeah, I did say, okay, this is Ty West film, written and directed. And as all the listeners know out there, his last few films, at least, 
have been horror films. He had ABCs of Death. He had a, you know, he did one of the short films on that. VHS, he wrote that. Let's see, we had The Innkeepers. And we House had, of the Devil. Yeah, the House of the Devil. Cabin Fever 2, Spring Fever, and so forth. So, right, we both agree at least that he is... He has a horror pedigree. Yeah. But he's, lately, he's been hanging out with these mumblecore guys who admittedly are the guys doing the VHS movies, but they also just do kind of these indie drama mumblecore flicks, and he's buddies with all those guys, and he's in some of their movies as an actor. Right. Um, you know, and he messes around with them, and, and apparently he's looking to branch out from his horror roots because, well, again, this is not a horror movie, and I, my biggest fear is that this was going to turn into Black Rock 2, where no, no, no. Now, we're, now we're sitting here <laughs> taking points off a movie because it's not a horror movie, and you decided it was that. a horror movie in your brain. <laughs> I'm not, not doing actually that. A, okay, all right. So will you let me, like, let me just spell out my case first before you jump in, because, you know, I don't know how interesting this is to people, but this is a real battle, people, that you're hearing. So, no, like, the first thing you should know is that I agree 100%. I saw it the very day that you could see it, Thursday. <laughs> and and I immediately tweeted the sacrament, drama slash thriller. And I agree that it's not a horror film. And it doesn't, it's not really significant, but I noted in my my tweets that um I gave a little review of it there and I called it a drama and a thriller. And Ty West favorited that tweet. So... And apparently, I don't know if he disagreed a whole lot, but anyways, so even though I just said that, I agree, this is not a horror film, but on the, the website and the promotional materials, it's, it says, Eli Roth presents the sacrament from the director of The House of the Devil. And then on IMDb, under the classifications, it says horror slash thriller. Now, what do you think the horror fans are going to do, Josh, with a film that's written and directed by Ty West, presented by Eli Roth, and is classified this way? They're going to see it because they're going to they're think... They're going to be interested until their good friends on horror movie podcasts who tell them what they should and shouldn't be spending their money on tell them, unless you're in the mood for kind of vague retelling of the Jonestown Massacre, don't go see this movie. Because it's not a horror movie. And again, on Movie Podcast Weekly, I feel like it would be a lot easier for me to give a more nuanced review of the film. But we're, when we're talking to horror fans for the explicit reason of recommending horror movies, it's hard to not have that be kind of a guiding principle to some degree. Well, okay, a couple of things about that. Number one, I think that we do have some crossover listeners who are kind enough to also listen to us on Movie Podcast Weekly. I don't know why they do it, but they do. But aside from them, I think by and large, our listeners on Movie Podcast Weekly, and not to mention our co-hosts, didn't even know who Ty West was. Whereas on this podcast, I feel like if we're saying, okay, Ty West didn't do a horror film this time, you guys... I think they're going to want to know why. And it seems like it's short changes or it's unfair to the film to not even like discuss it. And actually, I will say this, even though I wouldn't classify it in the horror genre, it's not a horror movie. I think the story, it is a horror story because it is based by the way. Horrific, yeah. Now, I'd call this a straight up horror story because this is based 
and inspired by, even though it doesn't say that anywhere, but it is clearly like a beat for beat, clearly. almost exactly of the Jim Jones, the People's Temple, you know, Jonestown massacre in 1978. So if right. people were familiar with that incident, um, you know, because as I was watching this unfold, I'm like, oh, my goodness, because I actually I, I'm not saying I studied that in depth, but I've, I've seen a few documentaries on it. You've been very interested in it, yeah. Yeah, so I'm like, okay, yep, that happened, that happened. And so as this film unfolds, it's almost like Ty West just took that story and copied it. And and it's interesting to me that he changed the characters and the names and stuff, and he doesn't say inspired by true events or anything like that. So the first thing I want to ask you on a constructive level, why do you think he didn't say based on a true story or inspired by true events? Uh, well, for one thing is that they were trying to, um, frame it as though it was its own documentary. So they didn't want to put inspired by true events because they're uh, the framing device is actually, this is a documentary of something that's happening. So mm-hmm. it would kind of defeat that, um, you great, know, the, the style in which they're telling the film. That is an excellent point. And, and Yeah, so obviously people haven't picked up on it yet. This is a found footage movie. Which is the reason Jason loves it. Well, one reason why I love it. (laughs) But I also, the the Jonestown story itself is absolutely horrifying to me. Yeah. And so to see a dramatization, to actually get to see that, that sounds sick, I know. But to see it unfold, to be able to actually see how that must have looked or went down is very chilling to me. I don't know if it's just my documentary background, but it aggravates me to no end to see something that's close to the truth, but not the truth. It drives me nuts. Like, it's like, if you're going to tell based on a true story, just either do it exactly what happened, you know, be faithful to it. Or if you are going to make clear changes like they did, like they chose, they changed the protagonist characters or they changed, you know, the people who came in to the story, Mm -hmm. um, they changed a few details here and there. Right. Why not change it a lot? Why not make it its own thing? Why not make it reminiscent of Jonestown, but have it be its own clearly different story? It's not. It's just like this weird shadow of Jonestown. Like that that just drives me nuts. Um, there's a movie that we were gonna. T- I was gonna bring up on Movie Podcast Weekly this week. I totally forgot that I had seen called Nothing But the Truth. And Kate Beckinsale's in it, Vera Farmiga, Matt Dillon. And uh, it's basically the Valerie Plame story, basically. Um, Alan Alda's in it as well. He's awesome. And it's a great cast. And, you know, and it's almost a good movie. But uh, on the other hand, it's just that it just fails on in so many levels. And for me, it's because it's so close to the Valerie Plame story but it's not it and so and so it's just as aggravating to watch because you're like oh you made decided to make one random major plot deviation um and everything else is exactly the same and that's how i felt watching uh the sacrament i you know and it's like i liked it i i don't hate found footage i was in for the conceit uh you know i i do like my favorite found footage films are the ones where they're supposed to be filming a documentary because I like at least that it makes sense that they're not turning the camera <laughs> off when some, you know, when they should be running, you know, and most found footage, right. it's like, there's absolutely no reason that they're filming right now, but it makes sense in this context, which, which I appreciate. Um, but it's just as annoying to just like, uh, do you know what I mean? Like why? 
why yeah. ride that line and make so many things from the passports to, you know, d- d- very specific details are exactly the same. And then, and then just not making it the same thing. That just, I don't know. That yeah. Part. I actually thought that you and I would fight a lot more than we are fighting because I agree a hundred percent with what you said. Um, it was odd to me too, that Ty West chose to just do almost a beat for beat thing. And, and I'll tell you the reason it annoyed me a little bit to the degree that it annoyed me. I was bugged because it's like, well, he could have taken this thing and ramped it up and really went yeah. for the horror elements. And what he did, though, instead, I mean, at the end, there are some things that happen, horrific type things that happen at the end that I don't remember being a part of the true account. So it, d- it did feel like in a couple places there were some flourishes, a little bit of embellishment as far mm-hmm. as like deaths and kills and stuff. There weren't too many, though. I mean, no. In fact, there were less kills in the movie than there are in real. There were in real life by <laughs> by like eight hundred some. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was significant. But even I'm not just talking about the Kool Aid. I'm talking about like actual, you know, murder, like clear, clearly murdered people, right? In the real story. Yes. Uh, so I agree with you hundred percent, and I I wish that he had kind of taken that as a launching pad. That awful experience that happened in real life in 1978 and kind of went nuts on a horror film from there. So I do lament that a little bit and it does kind of bug me. But at the same time, as a, just a, a general film lover, as a crime film lover, I, I do like thrillers as well. Um, you know, it's well made. And it's, in terms of found footage, I mean, it's not an irritating found footage, right? I mean, because they're sh- supposed to be shooting a documentary film, it looks pretty good. So it's not hugely off-putting. I mean, would you agree with that or not? No, I think it looks better than most found footage movies in a lot of ways. Number one, it seemed like they had a budget to, in order to recreate um, the Jonestown kind of compound. I felt like they did that pretty accurate, like shockingly accurately. Yeah, um, yeah, very close. It, uh, it was supposed to be about, uh, I think, $4 million was the budget on this. That's what I've read. Okay. So Which that's is, pretty significant for Ty West, it seems like. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean that seems like a, a big jump, but I don't I don't know the budgets of his other films, but it seems like it would would be. Um, and I don't know how to pronounce the actress's name, Amy Simitz. Simitz. Mm-hmm. I love her obviously because she's the star of Upstream Color, which I love and <laughs> yes, and you hate. But I wondered how how did you like her in this film she, as opposed to Upstream Color? I, I had that was another thing I had to give to you as much as I hated to. I mean, your girl Amy, she was good. She's very she's good so in good. this. In fact, the performances in, in this mostly, I'll say mostly, are fascinating. Like Gene Jones, the guy who plays the yeah. the Jim Jones type character, which is funny that the real life guy's name is Jones as well. But anyway, yeah, <laughs> not that funny because it's a pretty common name. But that guy is remarkable. <laughs> I mean, he nails his role. Actually, I, I found it affecting. Like he emotionally kind of scared yeah. me. I felt his uh, seductive nature. And I don't mean that in a sexual way, but I mean that in a <laughs> persuasive way. And it's like, I could see how this guy would push you around and lead you around by your nose. Did you feel that way? I, I liked him a lot. I also liked Donna Bisco, who was kind of like the doctor or nurse at the compound. I thought she was really effective. Yes. Um, I like the main actor, AJ Bowen, who's in your, who I know from your next. Right. Um, me too. He's probably done other stuff. Um, 
you know, one of my least favorite guys in the world, you probably know, is in this uh, Joe Swanberg. Um, he's luckily he's holding the camera most of the time, so I didn't have to look <laughs> at his stupid face. That's exactly what I felt. Why do you not like that guy? Because I agree, he kind of sticks out like a sore thumb in movies for me. I I cannot stand the guy. I think he. I don't want to come. I don't want to make any personal attacks on him here, but I will do it in private if you want to talk about it. But having seen pretty much all of the movies he's directed, um, he just really annoys me to no end. But um, okay, okay, fair you know, enough. Devin Faraci boxed him, and I wish I could could have stepped in there and had a swing. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how did what happened with that boxing match? By the way, you no, know, Swanberg kicked Devin Faraci's butt. Are you serious? That's a bummer. Devin Faraci is a pretty acerbic film critic. That I'm personally fond of, I uh, Josh, and I don't know that you feel the same way, but you, you probably, I'm scared of him as a filmmaker. I'm terrified of Devin Faraci, but I do think he's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, he he's the guy, and I know this is a huge tangent, but Devin Faraci is the guy that suggested that the movie Wally, in that movie, that Wally was a date rapist. <laughs> anyway, that's amazing. Um, not that that's okay. not that date rape is funny, but back back He's to this. He's a very intelligent writer. Uh, I, I, I like I love his musings on film. I don't agree with him most of the time, but kind of like someone like Roger Ebert, I really enjoy reading his writing. Um, about film when he's not just writing movie news, but he's written some pretty awesome essays that I enjoy. Yes. Um, but you can find the video of uh, Joe Swanberg and Devin Faraci boxing on. Farachi's site, uh, Badass Digest, if you look that up. but Well, you got to give him props for putting a video of himself getting beat up on his own site. So yeah, I give him that. But okay, back to the sacrament. You know, another criticism I had, which tell me if you agree with this, Josh. Um, you know, they say that they say <laughs> now that we have sound films, how about I'll start it like that instead of they say <laughs> now, now that films now that, we have sound films. now that films have sound, um, yeah. it is often As opposed a, to our early days of film criticism back in the well, I'm just saying you and I just started out, yeah, well, pre 1927 films okay. were okay. silent films, they use title cards. This film depends a lot on title cards to move it forward, um, especially like in the beginning to establish things and to move it forward. And yeah. uh, I really think that, and in many cases, if you're paying attention, you you look at it and it's like, okay, they have a title card explaining this, but you know what? We can see it's happening. So in many cases, it's unnecessary. And I think that that depicts a weakness in the storytelling. I'm a little disappointed in how many title cards show up in this film. I disagree only because again, that's like an aesthetic choice. I th I feel, I think they're going for it. They really want it to feel like a documentary and a lot of, some documentaries have way too many title cards. I can tell you firsthand. <laughs> <laughs> there are some documentaries out there that otherwise would be great films, but they are loaded with unnecessary title cards. Um, I made one of those, but I think vice, um, that does the same thing. You know, I mean, I think, uh, I think they're really going for the vice aesthetic. Uh, in this film. And by the way, for people who don't know, you know, they're trying to be one of these little vice documentaries. Vice has done some pretty amazing documentaries. Um, if, if you're not aware of that, they, and they're these kind of short subjects and it's kind of frustrating actually as a documentary filmmaker, because they go out and they cover so many stories that like, you know, almost every good story they've had done a little piece on. It seems. Well, you know, what's interesting about that to me, Josh. So think about this. You've got um, the found footage, 
type of approach to this film, which a lot of people will say that makes it feel more real. And then they're using, they're posing as this like vice organization in the film. And so, which is a real documentary type organization that, that makes those films so that that's real. Mm-hmm. And then they're basing this on things that happen almost beat for beat, the actual story that happened. And it's like, there are three huge elements of realism. So I wonder if mm-hmm. part of Ty West's approach is to try to just draw people into the film and, and I guess for lack of a better word, scare them that way by how yeah. the realism of the film, what do you think about yeah, that? Like if this was, if this was real, you know, if we take for face for face value as a found footage film, this would be ob- obviously a deeply terrifying situation. You could call it a horror, a horror type situation if this is really happening to you. But it's impossible, I think, with something that's as well known as the Jonestown Massacre to not take a step back and say, like, okay, like I'm so familiar with the story. Even me, who I haven't seen all the documentaries you've seen, but I've read about it, just, you know, and just to, you know, recognize imagery that I've seen and, and, turns of phrase that I've heard. Um, it's just so close that it, to me, it just pulls me out of the movie. Unfortunately. Well, I, I really like the framing device of vice. Um, I think that's cool. I just, again, I just wish he would have done something either unique. Yeah. I guess I wish, I wish he hadn't done this or I wish they had just made a movie about the Jonestown massacre. You know, there were actually journalists on the ground um, during the massacre. Like it would have been cool to do a period piece and put these cameras in the hands of the real journalists who were on the ground. That would have been amazing. Yeah. Well, see, I feel like that's really what he ended up doing, though. How, how is this not what you just described? Because it doesn't have, for one thing, he really simplified the story in kind of a dumb way. I, 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 I don't, <laughs> now, I'm, I said that in a really unintellectual way, but, but so I, I hope my point is, get, is coming across, but it was more than just the religion. There were all these other factors at play. And the reason that the mass suicide spoiler alert for Jonestown massacre um, happened was that were had, had to do with this political movement on top of the religion. And it had to do with eminent threat due to the murder of some high up officials, which is, has nothing to do with the sacrament. Um, but was very prominent in the actual Jonestown massacre. And so it really, the film is dumbed down a lot and I think takes a kind of narrow look at religious people um, by trying to just categorize these guys as, as whack job religious fundamentalists, you know? Well, yeah. And as a, as a Christian myself, I mean, once again, um, I find myself watching another film where it's like, yep, this is unfortunate, this depiction, because that's not how it is, at least not in my experience. But, but, um, I mean, know. this, you know, again, it most mostly happened. So I can see why someone would make that leap, but there was just, it was so much more complex in real life. Um, sure. So, again, who cares? That's fine. You know, this is a movie. That's fine. But then if it's a movie, like take it somewhere new, take it somewhere bigger, take it somewhere that deviate a little bit more so that I'm not having. I'm basically forced into drawing those comparisons because he made it so close but see, to reality. I'd prefer it not be that close so I could be freed up from that a little bit as a viewer. And, and maybe this is simple minded. Okay. But for me, like, I guess 
perhaps the greatest appeal, and I've mentioned this a little bit, but the greatest appeal of this movie is just the fact that it's kind of like the camera is there and we're seeing this happen as if it's absolutely real. It's like, yeah. you know, you. I think a lot of people have this thing where like, one day when I die, I hope I get to see the movie of my life or I hope I get to see the actual incidents that happen at various periods of history. And and this wouldn't be one of them, by the way, but but it, as a horror fan or ha- as having morbid curiosity of awful things that have happened, um, being able to see this story unfold on film it's almost like Ty West didn't want to make any kind of um, additional statements. It's just like, here's the camera. I'm going to show you what happened. Here it yeah. is. You know? And, and again, I, I can appreciate that version, but then just make it exi- like really do the Jonestown massacre story. That would be awesome. Like I would love to like, and, and, and I know, I, I know I can just see what you're saying. I can see a listener to this review. Just say, well, dummy, just flip the switch in your brain and just convince yourself that that's what you're watching. And then you get to view it. And that's true. Like it does give you an emotional kind of payoff to being able to, again, to like you're saying, kind of witness the, what happened or what would have gone down in this type of situation, how these events could have unfolded. But I, again, it just, it's that framing device, that conceit. And, you know, it just gets in my way again, maybe as a documentary filmmaker myself, I don't know, but it just is a frustrating little annoyance that prevents me from completely enjoying the film. And my, um, I, yeah, it must be your filmmaking because honestly, um, as a person who's, I guess, somewhat familiar with what happened, I don't see how this isn't. I mean, this is almost play by play by play in terms of the major unfolding. It's of not events. though. It's not. It's not what it's about though. It misses the. It, com- it largely, at least by half, at least by fifty percent, misses the point of what happened there. The point. One. What do you mean the point? Uh, I'm talking about the reality of like the events that unfolded. As the as the events unfolded, it's almost like you if you took the Jonestown massacre documentaries that you've seen and then you just took scenes out of this and chopped them out and used them as like reenactment b-roll then it would be effective but as its own story it's just too similar it's just too close and without beat without really going all the way it's and that's disappointing to me because i care about history and i care about reality and i care about nonfiction filmmaking and i care about you know stories based on true events and and I think it's a bastardization, and it's 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 taking it's also taking advantage of your audience, and it's taking advantage of all these people whose you know lives were really lost just for cheap entertainment without giving it at least the proper um, context of being able to understand you know what how how these things really took place because they didn't they may have unhap they may have unraveled in a similar series of events. But all of the motivation behind that was a lot more interesting and a lot more deep than is depicted here. Hmm. Yeah, well, I appreciate what you said about you wish he had gone somewhere else with it. But um, your latter point, I just I can't see that. But that's OK. We can agree to disagree on that part. But Wait, what, what can you not see? I just I see it as uh, essentially, you know, what happens in this film is Yes, it is a simplification and perhaps even an oversimplification. But I think in terms of a movie, you know, movie setting, you know, with like what, 90 minutes or whatever it is, I think that's fair, you know, because it's a. So why not just be, I mean, again, I have a problem with Argo too. 
for this exact for very similar reasons. Like you're telling a true story. Why not by be respectful of the people who lost their lives by telling it correctly? But on the other hand, like why not just be an Argo? Why not just set this as, as a period piece and say this is the story of the James? It's called the Sacrament, the story of the Jamestown Massacre, like Jonestown Massacre. Why not? Let it just be that movie. Why does it have to be with modern technology and blah, 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 blah? They had the budget to do it. Well, they yeah. already had the set. Everything about the setting and actors and everything was perfect in terms of the period production. All it would have done was change a few of the characters to get it right. And to me, it's just it's just flawed in that way. That's a good question. I mean, that's definitely a question for Ty West himself, actually. But here's the thing, though, Josh. I, I wonder about this. I mean, do you think that Ty West thinks of this as a horror film? I don't know. Again, I mean, I think taken at face value as a found footage film, it is terrifying. It is horrific. But the tension isn't ramped up enough for me personally to really qualify as a horror film. Yeah. for um, As it's presented, you know. For people who are impatient, and yeah, I, I'm with you. At the beginning, I said drama thriller. But for people who are impatient, it doesn't start getting like truly truly disturbing and unsettling and upsetting until way far into the film so like you know our our people who are even more impatient than i am are gonna be like oh this is boring whatever you know but i to answer an earlier question you had i've thought about it um perhaps the reason ty west didn't call this something along the lines of jonestown is because maybe he didn't want to alienate audiences who might just dismiss it thinking oh okay Ty West is making history lesson films now, historical reenactments, because that doesn't sound as interesting, does it? That's not as sexy to make a... It, hist- is, it is to me. Well... That's what I find sexy. You do you do think documentaries are sexy, so... I do. But And speaking of that... And, and especially a story like this that's real. Everything in here happened. In fact, again, the real story is crazier than what they put in the movie. So, like, way more people died in way more violent ways, and that's not in the movie. You know what I mean? So it's like, it would, it was, the reality was sexy enough. It's not like they glitzed anything up to make it more sexy. All they did is put cell phone jokes into the movie and stuff. Like, it's just not, it's not worth, (laughs) Right. it's not worth what you lose. Like what they gained is not worth what they lose to put, to make it a vice production again, which I like that idea generally is not, you don't gain enough from doing that. You know, for you, the modern audience who couldn't possibly take a history lesson, like it doesn't <laughs> doesn't make any sense, man. That's a good argument. Well, here here's what I would recommend for you and for listeners like you, especially people who appreciate documentaries. There is a um, PBS home video from 2006. The documentary is called Jonestown: The Life and Death of People's Temple. It's only 86 minutes long, and That is a very upsetting film, directed by Stanley Nelson. That's one of the best things I've seen on this incident. And, you know, having seen that a couple times, because it impressed me so much, I I guess, you know, I I saw a lot of echoes in this film. But I really, I appreciate your criticisms of this film. And I think you got some good points there, for sure. So let's wrap up our review then, Josh. And uh, give your final thoughts and your rating. Now, who would you like to go first? Uh, you can totally choose. I'll go first because it, it sounds like you're higher on the film than I am. Okay, cool. I, I liked it. I don't want to. I don't want to mislead people. I I enjoyed what was presented here. 
for the most part. I really, really enjoyed AJ Bowen. I really, really enjoyed Amy Simons. Simons. I didn't hate Joe Swanberg, which is a, um, you know, revel, you know, a huge accomplishment on my part <laughs> or on the filmmaker's part. Um, Gene Jones, awesome performance. Couldn't have been any better. Uh, Donna Bisco, most of the cast was right on the money. Um, it looked great. It looked exactly like it needed to look. It felt exactly like it needed to feel. Um, the documentary aspect was pulled off very well for the most part. I think it felt 90% of it felt like it's how it would be shot and played out. If, you know, if that real crew was really going there to film, I appreciate that. Um, but you know, those things that I mentioned, either not taking it in a fanciful direction or not adhering closer or exactly to the history, this weird middle ground is just frustrating for me as a viewer. Um, and so I think I have to knock it down to at least a six for that. Um, and I would call it a, a definite rental. And I think if you're a fan <laughs> like Jason of the original massacre, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's terrible, terrible to say that's not true if you're, if, if you're if you're interested in the history of what actually happened then yes. you probably you should feel like i do but if, if you don't then this is still an interesting glimpse into uh what it may have been like on the ground to witness this kind of an event you you triggered some thoughts i don't know how you did it but i i did think you know, a part of me wonders, I mean, I, I've read where some people have said, this isn't your typical Ty West film or don't expect this. But but you know what? Um, I think it would be accurate to say that The Sacrament is not a horror film, or at least it does not become a horror film until the last 10 minutes. Because in the last like five or 10 minutes, it does. And then I thought, well, look at The House of the Devil that does not become a horror film until the very, very end. So in many ways, this is definitely a Ty West film because he has his films wait a long time until the horror yeah. payoff comes at the end. So, Although those films are creepy all along, though, which I, in, in, a, in a more deeply scary way than this is deeply scary. Right, and, and that's in a more monster scary. This is more in a socially scary, but still sociologically scary but still this is at least if you don't find this creepy along the way there are attempts obvious attempts to make it seem creepy to people because the the guys you know our main subjects of the documentary are even commenting on it kind of outwardly but anyways there I were just, a couple little nice touches that I really that felt real to me and one I really have to compliment whoever came up with it as they talked about switching out the card on the camera in case, you know, so they don't lose what they already had. Right. That was brilliant. Like as somebody who's currently filming a documentary, I'm like, dude, these guys nailed it in terms of like what it would be like if you were a modern day documentary crew. But, yeah. So you only give it a six with that kind of well thoughtness. <laughs> well, because they, I, again, <laughs> I'm, I, just, yeah. I'm just trying to get you to get it up there higher. That's okay. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, the six, as you say all the time, is not a bad score. That's it, right, brother. It is for me, but for you, it's not a bad score. So it, it's yeah. really not. I can't complain. But no, for me, this is, I would tell you, this is a drama thriller. It comes horror at the last 10 minutes. Um, but honestly, I think it's scary. And I think that this movie, see, to me, scary tales are those that could happen. But I think that horrifying stories are those that have happened. 
like this one. And um, man, for me, this is an 8 out of 10. And I'd actually say buy it. But that buy it is especially for people who like thrillers, you know, um, not a straight up horror flick like you might think, but Play still. Into the imagination. Right, but still very well made. So, so Josh, I have to ask, though. You know what's better than this? Is it VHS 2 where they go to like the Indonesian no. uh, father's house? This That is the same basic idea and executed in a way scarier way. Mm. Well, it's it, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about, and it's definitely more horror movie esque in the traditional yes. sense that, yeah. that we talk about on this podcast generally. But, but exactly, but for me, right what what gets my blood pumping and my heart going is is the more real something feels, the scarier it is to me, and that's why this movie is pretty scary to me, honestly. And by the way, it really did happen. Very similarly to the way it's no, depicted. Wrong. It did. Hey, watch <laughs> watch the Jonestown documentary. Uh, it's called Jonestown: The Life and Death of People's Temple, and you'll see it's very close to what happened here. But Jason, I, as someone who has <laughs> supposedly studied this event, you're missing like all of the major reasons that this thing happened. You don't need. They're not that. in this movie. I know, but you don't. It, it's not necessary. You do. It is necessary to understand what really happened here because, again, it wouldn't be necessary if this was just a dumb horror movie. But you're suggesting that this should be looked at as to understand the events. And I'm saying that can't be true. I never said because that. Because it missed. You just said it. You just finished saying that. I didn't say this should be looked at in order to understand the events. I'm saying if you want to have. This sounds bad, okay? If I guess if you want to have an exploitative type of vicarious experience of seeing this atrocity that happened in real life, you could watch this and kind of tag along for the ride and have a similar, not experience, because obviously these people experience far greater horrors, but you could get at least a glimpse of what it might have been like. You disagree with that? No, I think that's fair, I guess. (laughs) But I would say Gareth Evans' film within the VHS two series is a much more, uh, much better horror film. And this is slightly frustrating. Like, uh, that Valerie Plain Wilson movie I talked about, or <laughs> the things that bug me about Argo. I'm with you. So now that we've spent about 44 minutes or so, 40 some minutes on this, tell me the truth, Josh. And this talking is talking about a movie we should never have been discussing on this podcast. Okay. But but would this movie have gotten as good a treatment with our buddies over there on Movie Podcast Weekly? Would they have let us delve this long and, and, and think about also how many horror elements and aspects and scary themes? <laughs> I guess I mean, right? I, I think I it, still think it I think it would have been a better conversation over there. I wouldn't have like right now I'm holding two things against the film, right? That it's not a better horror movie mm-hmm. and that it's, and that it's not a better historical document. If we had talked about it on movie podcast weekly, I'm only holding one of those things against it automatically. So my opinion of it goes up automatically. So what would you have context, rated it over there? <laughs> what would you have rated a, it? A perfect 10. I'm just joking. <laughs> You're just messing with me. Now. I probably would have given it a seven or an eight. What did, I don't know. What did I review? Ar- what did I give Argo? Probably similar to what I gave Argo, this but it is, is still, it is still frustrating. <laughs> this is great. So your review would have been different over there. 
only because of the people I'm talking to, which is my whole point of why we shouldn't be reviewing this on this podcast. Well, then why were you mad when I was so hard on BlackRock for not being a horror movie? That's the same exact thing. I would never have put BlackRock on this podcast either. I would have said BlackRock's not a horror movie. Let's not talk about it in that in that way. Well, we re- we, we review Dead on Movie Podcast weekly, by the way. I know, but you were trying to say it was a horror movie. Well, I was trying was to say problem. you're looking at it in the no. you're it as a horror movie when it's not supposed to be a horror movie. Well, I was saying it's that we were led expectations. We were led to believe it was a horror movie. That's what well, I was you saying. Well, you were because you watched the trailer apparently, but I saw it at Sundance pre-trailer and I wasn't led to believe anything. And of this audience that we're talking to, how many people saw it at Sundance do you think versus how many people saw the trailer the way I did? I don't watch trailers, so I don't know. But I mean, hopefully people are out there <laughs> avoiding trailers and just watching movies. Yes, we can both agree on that, huh, Josh? Trailers are always bad. And by the way, Josh, maybe we should say here as we wrap up this segment, um, if people do like thrillers or crime film, they should definitely check out Blue Ruin, not a horror movie. <laughs> But still freaking awesome. Yeah, a lot of gore compared to this one. A lot of gore, and it's a 10. Made by the people who made Murder Party, which is a comedy horror film from a few years back. There you go. So there's a little nugget for the horror fans. And by the way, on Argo, you gave it an 8.5. You said, see it in the theater and buy it. Yeah. Josh. That's what I I would have given this probably an 8 and said it's a high priority rental if we review this on Movie Podcast Weekly. Maybe a 7. So there you go, listeners. Josh gave it a seven or an eight. Actually, I, I would totally re- I would totally lower my review of Argo now. I think that was actually my first review on with you on it, that podcast. It was. It was. So I think I would I would think I would lower my rating quite a bit. All right. Well now we can continue on with the rest of this awesome episode. We actually got a great episode lined up and we're fairly Believe it or not, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, after this, I mean, we're, we actually, because we had already recorded that and we get along quite well during it, don't we? Well, and there's actually horror movies we talk about, too. <laughs> hey, you know, if listeners want to complain that we covered a Ty West film, then, you know, leave it. Just let us know. And maybe maybe they won't be mad that we covered the Ty West film, but maybe they'll be mad that we talked about it for like 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, buddy. Thanks a lot. How very much I've loved you. How very much I've tried my best to give you the good life. But in spite of all of that I've tried, a handful of our people with their lives have made our life impossible. There's no way to detach ourselves from what's happened today. Not only we're in a compound situation, not only are there those who have left and committed the betrayal of the century, some have stolen children from others and they're in pursuit right now to kill them because they stole their children. And we, we are sitting here waiting on a powder keg. I don't think this is what we want to do with our babies. I don't think that's what we had in mind to do with our babies. It was said by the greatest of prophets from time immemorial, no man takes my life from me, I lay my life down. So to to sit here and wait for for the catastrophe that's going to happen on that airplane, it's going to be a catastrophe. 
almost happened here. Almost happened. The congressman was nearly killed here. But you can't steal people's children. You can't take off with people's children without expecting a violent reaction. And that's not so unfamiliar to us either. If we, even if we were Judeo-Christian, if we weren't communists, the world, the kingdom, suffereth violence, and the violence shall take it by force. If we can't live in peace, then let's die in peace. The first thing I want to talk about, Josh, is this movie from 2013 called Contracted. Now, I, I, I know you haven't gotten a chance to see this one yet, but tell me what you do know about this, Josh. I know nothing about this. <laughs> do you know the cover art? Uh, no, I don't, actually. I don't think. I, let me look it up. Maybe I will. Okay. I, haven't even, I haven't even gone to the effort of looking up the film because oh. I knew I, I wasn't going to have a chance to watch anything extra this week. But um, let me check it out. Well, the, yeah, yeah, if you go to IMDb and check Oh, yeah. It out, I know this cover art. Yeah, it stays <laughs> yeah. with you, right? Yeah, I remember that. And yeah. by the way, just... Did Bill Shetty talk about this on the show? Yeah, this was actually in his top 10 for last year. Okay. And I was amazed it was in his top 10, and I'll talk about why in a minute, although it is a, a great film, but it just I'm shocked it made his top 10. This probably isn't relevant, but one of the first things I want you to know, when you look at this picture of this cover art here... Immediately interested. Yeah, there's that, but also the actress that's depicted here, she is actually very pretty, I think. So, and you don't really get that. Like when I look at this picture, all along when I saw this picture, I'm like, okay, that chick right there is probably in her late 40s, <laughs> you know, because she looks really rough. <laughs> yeah. But um, actually, she's young and quite lovely. And the uh, premise here on IMDb is, is very good, actually. So I'm just going to give the premise right here. A girl is date raped by a stranger at a party. And she contracts what she thinks is a sexually transmitted disease, but it's actually something much worse. Okay, so Josh, you hear that premise? Now, are, are you a premise guy the way I am? Because story just lights me up. Yeah, I I, uh, I don't know if I put as much weight on it, but it does get me excited. It tends to get me excited. Okay, well, I tell you what I did here when I finished watching this movie. The first thing I did was I emailed Dr. Walking Dead himself, Kyle Bishop, because this is a film that he will love. Because this this is a, a film that deals with a few different themes. Um, number one, it, it, it deals with the abject horror or abjection, which is, and, and this is one of Kyle's favorite things to talk about, which is like that that horror or the, the grotesquerie of seeing parts of your body yeah. You, you know, coming body horror. Yeah, body horror and coming face to face with your body's um just <laughs> frailty and and the grotesquerie of it just going all the way of the earth and being disgusting. Anyway, this is a very gross film that way. Um this this is probably going to get some real heat when I say this and I I I don't mean any disrespect to any of the ladies, but this reminds me of like when as a guy, when I started learning a lot more about girls. <laughs> and, <laughs> oh no, I see where this is going. Right? And, and then you're like, really? Uh, <laughs> like, whoa, you know? <laughs> like, And then when 
you know, to take that a step further when, you know, my wife got pregnant and then you learn about pregnancy and all the fun things associated with that. So I'm not trying to be gross, but I'm just saying this film is very intimate. And I know that, Josh, you have qualms with saying that an actress is brave, right? Because you said firefighters are brave, right? Right, exactly. So <laughs> I, I know I'm not allowed saying that around you, but I will say, you know, you got this pretty young actress and yeah, attractive young actress. And I think that it was, um, you know, she put aside her pride, I think, in order to do this film because it is, <laughs> it is raw that way. Pretty rough, huh? Yeah, now the other thing, Josh, that I, that I think is significant about this is, honestly, this is a film, if high schools were still, and I don't know if they are, it's been a while since I've been in high school, but if they were, you know, trying to push, like, um, you know, protect, like, sex education mm-hmm. and protected sex and avoiding, you know, STDs and so mm-hmm. forth, this is like the perfect film to show <laughs> uh, it, seriously, because it is a, a hugely a cautionary tale and it's actually very heavy handed with this. Like I would even go so far as to say it's ham fisted. <laughs> like, yeah. so it's a heavy handed cautionary tale, but even more um, because this lead character here, she is a lesbian and I would actually call this one of the few that I know of, one of the few lesbian horror films even. Hmm. Now, I think people I think some males in in our audience, I'm just saying, some they of may them read that the wrong way. Yeah, one. they might hear that and they'd be like, <laughs> they're like, I'm watching that right now and and and, and it's <laughs> it's not it's not that. It's not what you're thinking. It's just like um you know, this person's perspective or whatever. I mean, it's it's almost like it's like a feminist horror film. It's along the lines of heat um teeth. Do you remember that? <laughs> Cause, yeah. Because it's pretty memorable, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Ugh. Kind of <laughs> kind of life changing, actually. That, <laughs> that movie. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I'm I'm looking at the poster for contracted and there's a quote on it that says if Jaws was the film that made people never want to go into the water again. Contracted is the one that will make them think twice before having sex, and Teeth definitely had that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Had that uh, kind of impact on me as well. But I, I'm sorry, I can't quote the person who said that because it's out of focus on the poster. But <laughs> yeah, they they needed you on there for their photography. <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, yeah, for people out there who aren't familiar with Teeth, it's from 2007. And just a side note, like um, you know, I think that girls you get together a bunch of other girls who like horror or whatever i think it'd be a hilarious film to you guys i also think you would have a hilarious experience watching that with a bunch of guys just because to watch each other's reactions but anyway um i digress again so th- this film though <laughs> <laughs> contracted is insane and honestly one of the reasons i love this movie is because it deals with one of the scariest things possible and that is dealing with an unknown illness now i don't know about you josh you you know every time i see you you look just like a healthy strong vibrant vigorous young man but for me i've had my share of like you know health problems and hospital stays and so forth and I have gone through phases of my life where it's like something scary is wrong with my body. And in particularly <laughs> with me, my heart a lot of times, which is um, yep. extra scary, but a little personal note there for everybody. But anyway, 
you know, and that is a scary thing to deal with. And so there is that element of this, which I think is a very real fear that a lot of people have, right? Yeah. So anyway, I mean, from what I'm telling you so far, though, are you drawn into this? Is this something that's going to be a priority for you or not so far? Uh, you've got my attention. Okay. Well, you're 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 being very patient and very nice. <laughs> by, by no, I'm not sure. I, I, I don't know yet. I, I'm, I'm waiting to hear more. I mean, I, the poster oh. sucked me in. Okay. Now I'm kind of like, I don't know if I, I, I like, I like to some degree body horror stuff. I mean, I like Cronenberg a great deal, the fly obviously, but his other stuff as well. So I, I do, I mean, you know, I like zombie movies, so it's not totally foreign to me. Uh, you know, I, I, I can enjoy that kind of stuff. Some of it, though, doesn't always grab me. Like, I'm kind of borderline on cabin fever. I couldn't quite decide if I liked it or not. I still <laughs> kind of don't know if I like it or not. But. <laughs> I understand on that, yes. Yeah, and you know what it is there. I can I can identify that right now. It's the comedy horror in that. Like, they, they need to get the comedy out of that that film, and I think it would be tremendous, personally. But Interesting. But anyway, this uh, contracted, though, Josh... I really think, especially a guy like you would dig this because it's almost, it's a drama first and then um, maybe even a horror second and then a mystery third, right? And so Mm -hmm. I I think that's interesting. I mean, it's kind of, I mean, the film looks, the film looks pretty good and I think it's, it's very well done. And honestly, like as you're watching it, um, it just kind of unfolds like like a drama that gets scarier and scarier. And then I know that you don't have any problem with like, you know, films that you have to be patient for and so forth. Right. And that's why I was somewhat surprised that Bill Shetty was put this in his top 10 because, I mean, he's kind of a more of an action oriented guy. And honestly, there's a lot of this that works on you on a psychological level. And and I know that that's typically not his thing, but I mean, that's something that I appreciate in a horror film. So, uh, yeah. you know, so it's got that to it as, as well. I want to tell everybody something right at the beginning. In the very first, like, few seconds of the film, literally probably the first 30 seconds, there is something very subtle that is depicted. And I want everybody to pay attention um, to what that means. It, I think I have this prediction and it's not that I'm like not giving credit where credit's due to people, but I just think that I bet you that 90% of the people who watch this film miss this point. And, and so when, when, as the film opens, when you guys watch Contracted out there, pay attention because there is something suggested, you know, in the underlying subtext. And it's like, oh, okay, I, I know what they, what they mean there. So I don't yeah. even want to say what it is. Just because I think it's kind of fun when you're like, hey, wait a minute. No, <laughs> this, that's what's happening, right? And I know that that kind of drives the listeners nuts when we're so vague and so obscure. But, it, you know, I'm trying to trick you into watching this film because <laughs> obviously I love it. But um, this is currently streaming right now as we record this. It's on Netflix Watch Instantly. So, you know, I don't see where people have much of an excuse not to watch this. And... And if you know much about the film, and this is, I'm not going to go much farther than this, but this film, you know, it it devolves, you know, it, it just escalates and she gets worse and worse. And Bill Shetty has, 
has said on this podcast before in his mini review of it. He said that, you know, she she gets more and more, you know, scary. We'll just leave it at that. But what I what I want to say is this would have been a 10, Josh. It would have been like a perfect 10 out of 10, mm. except for um, a couple complaints. Number one, it it gets a little bit, and I, I hesitate to even say this, there's some like drama, and I use that in like the hip sense of the word. There's like drama that goes on in between these friends that's kind of like, I don't want to say 90210-ish, but... It reminds, not because I didn't watch that show, frankly, but you know, <laughs> it's just my understanding of it. But anyway, it's kind of along that line, and that got a little bit annoying for me. Number two, you know, they show you like a few days in her life because this happens only over the course of like, you know, just like three days or whatever. And honestly, it goes, you know, it goes so gradually through the day. I mean, because like I said, like the three acts of the film basically follow the three days and it's so gradually in her transformation much like this review it probably <laughs> could have been paced a lot faster and been more entertaining and so i'm sorry for that you know both for the film and for me on this mini review but anyway i, I just want to say that i wish that she had devolved because the scariness comes but honestly it gets freaky and i mean genuinely freaky but it's like the very end of the film and then it's over and it's like, man, I need a trilogy of this, <laughs> you yeah. know, because it just gets where I wanted it to go and then it ends. But um, anyway, this is definitely something that I um, recommend to people. I think it is a freaky film. And if you really, um, I mean, there are some things that are so gross, you I, I dare anybody to try to eat while you watch this. This is not a film that you can eat very easily while you watch it mm. but anyways for me this is a 7.5 out of 10 i think that's actually what bill shetty rated it too and for me it's a it's a it's a must-see rental for sure and it's streaming on netflix so i say definitely go to it so that's contracted from 2013 right on all right josh did i sell you did i do it yeah i mean i think i was like borderline but the fact that it is streaming right now that puts it over the line, you know, it's, in, it's an easy, easy commitment on my part. So, well, thank I'll, you for I'll check it out. Thank you for attributing my review to helping. Put you on the <laughs> I really appreciate Well, I mean, I was, I would just say, I, yeah, I absolutely did, <laughs> I mean, but it was, I was border, I was borderline on it. I would have to say, I mean, one thing I think what you said about the ending, I'm noticing that in a lot of, I don't know if you would consider this one, but these kind of like art house horror films that are, you know, a lot of these guys, um, like Ty West, for instance, they kind of come from this like indie our house community. Um, you know, like Mumblecore type of guys. All the guys who are doing the VHS movies, Joe Swanberg and yeah. You're Next. They're all kind of these hipster indie guys, and I notice a, a lot of their films have that kind of characteristic that they kind of just escalate right at the very end. You know. Yeah. Now, and and what do you attribute that to? I mean, what do you think they're trying to accomplish when that happens. I don't know. I mean, I think that I think they are putting more stock in the characters and they're more interested in the drama, I think, and kind of using horror as their way to, to talk about other stuff. But 
That's my guess. Well, and my theory on it is, I like your guess. I do. But but my theory, I think, is better. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> no, I, I think the reason they do that is because once the monster is out in the open, it's like, yeah, the monster's in the light and it's a scary freaking monster, but at least I know what it is. You know, yeah. once the mystery is removed, I think it's just purely a monster and that's it. And I think it kind of reduces its strength. Now, there are people, of course, that would argue, well, what about Michael Myers? Like, he's still freaking scary no matter what, you know. But I think with these kind of monsters, I think they want to take it to a, a certain pitch, a fever pitch or a, a, the apex, and then mm-hmm. and then just close the film. So you end on that high, scary note, and then maybe you'll walk away feeling good about it. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's true, I guess. But it is frustrating. I mean, I, I would even say in, like, House of the Devil, I like, I enjoy that movie, but I related, I kind of related what you were saying about this to that. I would, you know, it really hits its stride in the last few minutes of the movie. So it's like, yeah, you know, I, I, I enjoy everything that leads up to that moment, but yeah. You know, so I mean, the innkeepers is literally the last moment of the movie. Right. Well, I, yeah. see, I love the House of the Devil, but um, I will say this has definitely a lot more to be, um, you know, it has a lot more affecting type scenes. It's not just like, you know, because House of the Devil is a very slow, gradual build. But this has stuff along the way to keep your attention for sure. Right. It does have a, 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 I can't even believe how glaring, it has a terribly glaring continuity error with, um. I mean, if as you look at the poster, her eyeball, her left eye um, ends up looking that way. And then in another scene, it's like it was like the day before. And then it goes back to looking that way again. And I'm like, how did they miss that? Because it's, it's, it, you can't even miss that. But anyway. That's, that's the one of the, that's something that happens with the low budget movie though, where they need to move a scene due to, um, you know, storytelling, but they don't have the budget to fix it in post or whatever. Oh, okay. Well, that's, that's what it sounds like at least because yeah, something like that would be so glaring. Um, yeah. Just hoping that you're caught up enough in the story that you won't notice maybe. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, let's move into our feature review of we are what we are. And I've been talking a lot, so I would like to have you take over on this one. Okay, well, uh, this is about a family called the Parkers, and they have, um, the movie starts out with a quote from one of their, I guess, kind of famous relatives, and this relative was involved in kind of a kind of Donner Party-esque situation, and you don't necessarily know that from the outset, but the kind of um, mindset is set up early in the film. Um, and on, oddly enough, um, that character, Alice Parker, is the same name as someone who was executed during the Salem Witch Trials. So I, I wonder if that is meant to have a connection in some way as well. Nice. But yeah, so uh, We Are We Are follows this Parker family. And in the opening scene, um, the mother, uh, the matriarch of the family is kind of at the store and starts feeling sick and... And passes out and and passes away uh, in the first scene of the movie, and um, the fa- the rest of the family um, is pretty distraught about it, especially the father. And um, but he 
you know, says the, there's, it's clear that there's a big um, event coming up for the family and, um, and they're fasting and lead up to that event. And the father kind of says, you know, with, even without our mother here, you know, we need to carry on and carry on our traditions and, and do, you know, do what we need to do. And they appear to be a religious family. In fact, they reference the father references Jesus at, at some point, which is, Somewhat surprising considering where the film goes after that. Yeah, I found that very unfortunate as a Christian <laughs> myself. But yes. But um so I don't know how much I don't know how much to talk about the plot. Um I, I assume the people already know because it's being referred to as the blank movie. Should we just go ahead and talk about it? Yeah, well I was gonna talk to you about that as well. I mean that's a good point. Like um I was listening to a, a podcast that you and I both appreciate and that's the slash film cast and they're kind of insane uptight about spoilers yeah and 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 what they said is true they said you know if you can go into this movie completely blind then it's all the better but i i bet that most of the horror crowd like horror fans are in the know so yeah i think it's fine to say that it's a cannibal movie right in fact even when i heard you know, this was at Sundance, and even when I heard about it, that's just how people were referring to the film as the cannibal movie. Yeah, and like, you know, this is also currently streaming on Netflix Watch Instantly, and, you know, it, it gives it in the description, you know, it says cannibal, and I believe um, I believe it's in the trailer, right? You know, it, it at least clues us into that in the trailer. Is that right, Josh? On the official movie poster, they're sitting there with three empty bowls and it says the Parker family wants to have you for dinner. Right. But the DVD cover, those bowls are filled with blood and chunks of meat. So, I mean, I don't know. (laughs) They're not, you know, they're not keeping it a secret necessarily. And then that's not, it's not that that's the secret that matters really. It's more about the journey these characters go on and, you know, the psychology kind of behind being cannibals and as fortunate as you say, as it is for, uh, to be that these characters are considered Christians. I would say as someone who descends from cannibals, I think find it kind of offensive. (laughs) (laughs) What? Explain that to me. I'm sorry. You just went over my head. Maybe I'm just too Uh, tired. I'm, I'm, I'm half Fiji and I don't know if character, if, uh, listeners know that, but my dad's fam my dad is from Fiji and you know, Fijians are historically cannibals and so Oh, I didn't I, I didn't I, know that to be I honest. didn't appreciate the depiction of cannibals here. <laughs> I'm totally joking. Well I was just um, gonna I was gonna genuinely and sincerely ask you in all humility how how would you prefer that cannibals be depicted <laughs> favorably? Like I mean I'm just. <laughs> well, they, it was it it was a religious, uh, in, in some way, kind of sacrificial thing, but it wasn't like they're going out murdering people around the town. Obviously, it was more of a, a sacred rite. Not again. I don't actually care about this, but that is the no. distinction between how these characters are kind of depicted. Uh, I see. I I'm following you now. I'm, I'm sorry I missed that joke. No, it's fine. But um, it's not, it wasn't a great joke by any means. But. <laughs> Well, now I'm nervous, to be honest with you. Though. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But, That's what I always tell people. It's like, yeah, I may, you know, have been a vegetarian for 10 years, but my ancestors are cannibals, so don't mess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't knock me off the wagon, you know? <laughs> so, anyways, not that there's a wagon. Anyways, so, Josh, let's, 
one moment, if we can back up on one thing, I want to ask you about this. So this this film is like the Americanized remake, okay? Because there was, um, I believe, Mexican film. Yeah, it's a Mexican film. Uh, the, was by the same name. It's basically the same film, right? From 2010. Now, yeah, did, did you the, see it? No, I didn't see it, but I was reading up about it, and the plot details are a little different. But well, at least the you know it's the the father who dies and. There's two sons and a daughter, and so I don't know. The at least the genders were reversed, and I wonder how that plays out in um, the dynamics of the film. Huh? Yeah, I think that's interesting. Now, I I saw from time to time I read the IMDb, like the little reviews and stuff, and because mm. I went, I was looking at that film as well, and kind of like checking into it and so forth. And and basically, long story short, somebody thought that the that version was terrible, but I wish I had seen it as well, but honestly, I think this is probably, if I suspect, this is one of those films kind of like, what, Old Boy, for example, where, you know, whichever version you see, once you see it, you've seen it, right? Right. And but you- although I think the original version of Old Boy is universally praised, whereas I have heard that the original version of this film is not universally praised, that it's kind of... Uh, it's considered the lesser of the two films. Right. And that's kind of where I was going without even having seen the first one. This one is so um, well-made and powerful. I can't even imagine from what I've read of the other one. And and basically what I'm getting at in a very stupid and roundabout way is I think people should watch this one first. Do you? Can you say that? Or are you? Afraid? I mean, I can't. I don't know if I can say that because I haven't seen the other one. I'd be. I normally would never say that about the American remake, <laughs> right. but I do. I do trust Jim Mickle, um, and so I am. But I am curious to see the original um, before I made that statement. But I would say this version is very good. I wouldn't say necessarily go out of your way to see this one first because I. I do want to see the original, but. Um, but this is great. This is a great film, and I think it's a an improvement for Jim Mickle in terms of being a really mature film as a filmmaker. I feel like his style, you know, and I'm, I'm a fan of Stakeland as well. And hopefully we'll be talking about Mulberry street on this episode, but I feel like he's really matured as a filmmaker uh, with this movie. I mean, a lot. Yeah. I mean, I I liked Mulberry street quite a bit. And then um, Stakeland was like a few steps higher. And then this is even like, um, you know, in terms of like action and and monster stuff, Stakeland is is, I guess for me a more entertaining horror film. However, this film is just incredibly well done. Like this is I, better filmmaking. Oh yeah, like when this opens, I mean for people who are kind of like um, film nerds and who really appreciate like the craft and people who pick up on that, the opening of this film is is honestly like almost breathtaking on and i mean literally because like the the colors and i don't usually talk about this because it sounds so pretentious but there's kind of like a blue and green hue it's kind of dim and it's rainy as it opens and it is so gorgeous and so atmospheric and i'm like wow i was i mean josh as a filmmaker yourself were you blown away in the first like (laughs) five or 10 minutes of this film. I mean, I was definitely impressed. And and I think, again, I was more surprised that it was the same guy. You know, I was most, more surprised it was Jim Mickle. And it's not that he wasn't, 
he hasn't done some good work. He has, um, but you know, I I saw him reaching for, and he had. There were some beautiful moments in Stakeland, referring uh, primarily to the you know to the cinematography. Mm-hmm. But again, I just feel like this has a maturity that his other stuff hasn't had. I I almost it almost makes me want to lower my score for Stakeland when I see how much he's improved, you know. And, and to be honest, you know, I I had only seen Stakeland either alone or with horror fans until very recently, and I recently forced some non horror fans to watch it with me, and they weren't as forgiving as some of the stuff that that I had been. And it kind of made me think like, Oh, well, I guess it, it has more flaws than I kind of, uh, was willing to attribute to it before because I, w- I was so in love with the premise and so in love with the aesthetic and tone of taking kind of this post-apocalyptic world. And, you know, that would maybe would normally be, um, reserved for zombies and, throwing vampires into that equation. Um, I, I love the premise of that film. This one, the premise is quite simple. It doesn't, you know, that's not the impressive part. You know, the, the fact that it's a cannibal movie is not, a, not the spoiler. We, you know, it's not a movie that really can be spoiled. I don't think in a lot of ways, I think it's mostly about the performances, the, the filmmaking and the characters. And, and I think that's mm-hmm. cool for a horror movie to be able to say that in a movie that still is genuinely disturbing and creepy and scary at, you know, at a couple of points. Oh yeah. Like it has, um, as people know, like I'm usually not affected much by jump scares. It has a couple of really good jump scares that, that nailed me. And I, I just remembered that, um, my boy, uh, Michael Parks plays in this film. Oh man, he's great. And, and I love him. I cannot get enough of that guy. I, I, uh, this this sounds crazy, but I wish I wish Michael Parks were in every single horror movie. I just <laughs> I love that guy. I think he is incredible. And um, so you know what? I want to be really um kind of irresponsible right now as a film critic and say since this version has Michael Parks in it, definitely see this version first. <laughs> it's not a bad argument, actually. You know, he's great, and you know, a lot of us loved him in Red State. Yes, um, recently yes. loved him, and and like, he's going to be in Tusk, Kevin Smith's Tusk coming up, which I believe is also a horror movie. I so cannot wait for that. But you know maybe what? Maybe he is going to be in every horror movie. Kelly McGillis, it turns out, is in every horror movie. So who knew? <laughs> yeah, when, when we saw that that steamy scene in Top Gun, I don't think I would have imagined that someday she would be the old woman in every horror movie. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious! But honestly, though, I will say this: Michael Parks, his best role though ever, my favorite. <laughs> by far is him in from dusk till dawn that opening i mean he he embodies that cop i mean that sheriff like um you know like uh daniel day lewis or sean penn would i mean he nails that well and he he plays that same cop in kill bill and planet terror and death proof right yeah and it's like it's perfect. It's like it's the role he was born to play. But anyway, he is in this film. We are what we are from 2013. And I will say, uh, I think his character is extremely important to this film. I mean, not yeah. just, you know, in terms of the mechanics of the the narrative. But I think that the emotional beats in this film, it kind of holds a certain power because he's in it and because of the the baggage associated with him. 
Now I will ad- admit I uh, I fell asleep during my first viewing of this movie, and I know you're gonna say, "How is that possible?" <laughs> I was just really tired, oh, but um, but I woke up at kind of a pivotal uh, climactic scene because just the virtue of the noise on screen, it woke <laughs> me up, you know, and scared me awake. Yeah, um, and I completely had the ending of the movie read wrong. I thought something else completely different happened until I rewatched it the other day for this. <laughs> and uh, like, Oh, that's not what I thought happened in this movie because I had only seen the ending in a kind of a sleep, sleep drunk haze. But well, I want to, I want to confess to you um, actually, and this, this doesn't bode well for the film, but we're going to, we're going to make sure the listeners aren't misled here. The same thing happened to me, too. I mean, you and I, I think we both, of necessity, because of our schedules and family, we usually have to watch films really late at night. In fact, I started this um, last night at midnight, <laughs> in fact. So, I mean, it was very late. But yeah. but I ended up, you know, so I, I did start dozing kind of in the middle, but I ended up going back. And when I woke up, I'm like, nope, nope, I got to I gotta make sure I see all this. So I got my little power nap in. I went back and watched it all, and um, wow. And so I guess we only say that just so listeners know. It is kind of, um, in many ways, it's kind of a quiet film. It takes its time. There's not a whole lot of, like, in-your-face action all the time. I mean, it's all, it's like you said, it's kind of about the journey. I think it's deeply creepy, atmospheric, right? gothic, yes. and, uh, you know, creepy. All right, now... Here's the here's the most important thing I wanted to talk about this film and listeners <clears throat> I promise you <laughs> I promise I will not spoil anything okay and Josh is here you can yell at me if you think okay. I will and I'll cut it out if you think I will so there will okay. be no spoilers but we have to I have to dance around this with you Josh because I want people to know this where this film goes okay where this film goes in the end really upset me like it did something Mm. to my mind like um you know horror films very rarely affect me but this is one of those films i remember um the first time i saw the texas chainsaw massacre my favorite horror film from 1974 there's that that dinner scene right at the dinner table um where you know you got a very old man you've got a big like bucket (laughs) you've got a woman (laughs) and you've got a mallet like a ball peen like little sledgehammer thing right and that that scene there's something in that that like you know shorted out something in my brain well I, i rarely ever have that experience but i had that when i saw this film and i don't want to oversell it but here's the thing when you when listeners when you're watching this film if you haven't seen it yet and you get to the end which is the climactic scene um really take stock and take note of what is going on and reflect on the dynamics because because it's incredible because this is not this is not a traditional monster movie right josh i mean no not by long shot i mean yeah so we're not talking about you know beastly freaks i mean we're not talking about frankenstein or you know wolfman or dracula or anything like that so you know keeping all that in mind like let that settle and hit you because that's what really shook me up the most. And, and it honestly scared me. I mean, um, and I mean, scared me. Like when I went to bed, I was kind of shaken up 
by this film. I have, I don't, I'm not afraid to admit that. Now, now that so this didn't shake you up the climactic scene. Um, it did, but I think again because I saw it twice and and it was different. <laughs> the two different day. it definitely scared me the first time because I literally was jolted awake during it. Um, oh man! <laughs> and so that was kind of a terrifying, weird I would experience. Hate, I would hate to wake up during that. <laughs> but um, yeah, alone in the dark at night. But then, you know, seeing it the second time, I had a totally different take on it. I actually, I found how it actually ends less scary or less disturbing than I had initially. Oh, wow. Because well, I had, my imagination had kind of run wild. I, I can't, we can't talk about it because it would involve spoilers, but. Um, right. Let me also say though, really quickly, I it's not just Michael Parks in this guy. I feel like the whole cast is really strong, yes. and especially uh, the two daughters. I feel like are really great. I mean, I I think both of them have huge careers ahead of them. Uh, neither of which I remember seeing in anything before. Same. And uh, the deputy, um, who is Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn's son who I've only seen in this is 40 previously that I remember seeing him in and didn't think he was super great in that. I really liked him in this. So yeah, I'm with you. I, I totally agree with that. Horror needs a new young Kurt Russell. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That's right. And, and yeah, we have Wyatt Russell now. So let me just uh, read here from a, a review that was left last October on IMDb. This is from in 1984. <laughs> And I, I really love this. And I feel like this person was in particular like aiming at me. <laughs> Josh, I feel like I feel like they were going after good old Jay of the Dead here. I don't know why, but but the but the title is Not Lost on the Ocean and Popeye Isn't Coming to Your Rescue. <laughs> it says eight point five of ten. What horror and goth can be and should be. Not just scary, violent, disgusting, and bloody but realistic, something that can and has happened. Where exactly it's set is not specified. And actually, that's not true. This is in um, Catskill, New York. I I picked up on that. Um, But it feels like an Appalachian backwoods location. Rather, Yes, thank you. um, In 1984, I'm from West Virginia. I appreciate it. So um, he says, (laughs) rather than going with another lost in the wilderness variation, this involves a small town and surrounding community with virtually no strangers wandering through. There's no easy mocking of talking styles, drunken hillbillies or squidbillies. Do you know what he means by squidbillies? Squidbillies is a TV show. I don't know if that's... Oh. I don't know why he's referring. I mean, actually, <laughs> uh, this is totally a weird aside for this podcast, but the comedian I'm working with on a documentary right now is in Squid. He's on the show Squidbillies. Oh, okay. On, it's a it's a comedy or it's a Cartoon Network adult swim show. But. Oh, okay, cool. Well, thank you for teaching me that. And then he says, he continues, or no inbreeding. We get a much more developed, sincere story along with an actual plot setup and some mystery-like misdirection. Don't expect to be able to eat soup for a while after this. <laughs> and I think that's a beautiful review. I really like that. So uh, 8.5 out of 10 is what in 1984 gives it. So, Josh, let's wrap up with our final thoughts or and our verdict. And you go first, brother. Well, um, you know, in the last little while, uh, you know, of course, I think that our listeners are going to hate me for this. But the last little while, I've been watching a lot of movies that 
aren't heavy on the horror, but are really exploring the character and thematic stuff behind some of these monsters in a way that I found really interesting. You know, I just watched Byzantium and uh, Only Lovers Left Alive, which I hope we're going to discuss on a future episode. Yes. Um, and then uh, along with those films and this, I, I'm just really loving this horror that I'm, I've been seeing lately. It's uh, it, it's just what this, what this reviewer you just read from IMDb said. It's not necessarily the most fun monsters. It's not the gore. You know, it's not just that stuff. It's really depends a lot on the filmmaking, which is refreshing, I think, to see in horror movies. Um, so I, I loved it. Um, I, it made me want to seek out the original. It made me even more impressed that Jim Mickle um, got me to finally go get Mulberry Street and watch that. So um, I would give this a solid eight, and I think it's a high-priority rental for most people. Um, and for collectors, it's definitely one where not everyone's going to want like, you know, the, the messiness of a cannibal film, but for collectors, I think it's one worth, worth buying as well. Mm -hmm. Very good. I, I like what you said there. And for me, um, strictly because of the way this film affected me in the end, it, it genuinely scared me. It shook me up inside. I had trouble going to bed and going to sleep and I'll actually, I'll confess, I'll even go a little farther here. Like, I love like personal hour here on Horror Movie Podcast. Yeah. It's, just, it's great. But, you know, sometimes I get weirded out by horror movies because like, I feel like there can be a, people don't mock me, but I, I feel like there can be a, a negative energy with them or something. And so like last <laughs> night, <think>? yeah, <laughs> well, I'm, I even mean like kind of on a, you know, beyond just this this life like on a, a spiritual level you know it's like oh sure. man that movie is really <laughs> hanging heavy in my house like a like a dark i mean fall i think i think we've all already admitted that we like lock our windows like close our drapes like <laughs> right look out the window at night while we're locking our doors i mean we're all we're clearly all more paranoid and worse off for our love of <laughs> exactly yeah and so like well, you know when i was walking around and i check everything just like you described a million times before i go to bed you know um i, I just felt like i kept seeing like these shadowy characters in my house and it was like it was freaking me out and i really think it was because this movie just kind of jarred me you know so you know not very many horror films can do that to me so i i got to give it a lot of credit for the way that it shook me up and i i think it's powerful and so because of that i mean for me this is an 8.5 out of 10 i mean otherwise if it weren't for the the ending and the way that it affected me it would have been like a strong like 6.5 or something mm -hmm. because in terms of a horror movie it's definitely um horrific and there are right. moments that are horrifying but it's not your classic monster movie you know as far as that goes but you know this is a this is still a buy it for me and, and i the say filmmaking is so strong though i mean yeah can you, can you really rate it a 6.5 even based on just the filmmaking alone though i could but you know yeah. i'm a big jerk that way but like <laughs> right. but i appreciate i mean you're exactly right i gotta i gotta tell you this josh you're exactly right about that. I mean, I love to see horror filmmaking, the mm -hmm. art form taken to this level because, yeah. and this might seem like a little bit sacrilege to a lot of people listening out there. I mean, I've heard um, some of our favorite horror critics say things like, you know, I don't, I don't care like about 
all that stuff. And the acting doesn't have to be great, you know, as long as you get a good monster and good kills and whatever, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, but what if you have something scary and good kills, but also like that it's very well executed and like, you know, extremely artistic. It's like, wow. I mean, why can't we have the best of both worlds have our cake and eat it too? Well, I think those are the films that we always talk about that the mainstream audience can also appreciate the jaws and the shinings and the, you know, those types of films that, you know, we can get kind of the the only movies that legitimate, uh, or like mainstream cinephiles will admit that they love uh, when it comes to horror, you know, because they're great. They're more than just good horror flicks. They're great films. And I feel like this is moving in that direction. Um, right. Yeah. And, by uh, the- you know, it's, it's not the shining, but it's 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 show to me. It's showing a filmmaker. It's a great film and it's showing a filmmaker who could, you know, create something that's just next level. Absolutely. Yeah. And so. I mean, I think we should strive toward this, but I, I will say, I mean, I know that with 80 slashers, for example, I mean, part of their charm is kind yeah. of that cheesiness, but you know, I like that too. Yeah. And, and I do too as well, of course, but I, I, I do want to say this. I, I think that um, I would actually love to see a modern slasher with this kind of slickness, like pulled yeah. off this way. I think that would be super, I think it would actually enhance the scariness because it would really bring a whole new level of realism to it. Well, and I am so much less forgiving of modern horror movies. And I think that's why I feel like they don't have the same, uh, you know, I don't have the same kind of fun, good memories or fun time with the bad acting. It just feels like bad acting and cheap, cheap filmmaking. And so, you know, because it doesn't have that same handmade quality of the eighties movies. And so, for me, yeah, it's it's this is a the type of film I like to see, or the new Maniac, um, yeah, which I recently saw. I mean, that's incredible filmmaking on top of being a super scary, <laughs> weird, creepy movie, you know. Um, but oh, anyway, I digress. Okay. No, I'm with you 100. percent So I'm glad you brought up those points, and I'm especially glad you emphasized how beautiful it is. And so, horror fans out there, if you're the type of person who doesn't typically like notice or pick up on or care about (laughs) that kind of stuff. Like I just, I give you a little challenge here from Wolfman, Josh and Jay of the dead, you know, grow a little bit as a horror fan. I'm not lecturing anybody, but I'm just saying, take note of how beautiful this film is and see if that, that enhances your appreciation for it. No, see, I think everybody notices it. I think it's just, maybe they don't notice it overtly. I think it has a psychological effect on you because you get sucked into the movie more, is my belief. Okay. I mean, yeah. even even the Bill Shettys of the world who, you know, might say, Oh, come on, guys, it doesn't matter. You know, on on uh was it Grizzly Zone was the last show that he did. You know, he had mm-hmm. a scale where he talked about acting, he had a scale where he talked about cinematography. Well, yeah. You know, I mean well, he cares he cares about that stuff and 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 it does matter ultimately when you're watching the movie. Well, yeah, and Bill Shetty is very, um, actually, very cognizant and and serious about things like um, sound design and the sound yeah. and the soundtrack. I mean, he takes that very seriously. So, I mean, right. I guess we but all have our but, things. But sometimes he'll say, "Oh, what did you expect? It's just you know." <laughs> right, right. Am I am I am I am I misremembering that 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 is his stance occasionally, right? 
Yeah, but I mean, I know that if we had him on the show right this minute, he would he would probably, you know, I got I guess take issue with that. But I, I have heard him say things like that. He is dismissive of those elements, like the filmmaking elements, as long as it's got you know some of the more traditional horror conventions pulled off well. Right. Like he doesn't, well, he doesn't like criticism of a movie. Right? I don't know. We should stop putting words in his mouth, but yeah, he, um, he'll love that. I'm sure. Yeah, Come on the show and, and tell us what you think of we are, what we are, Bill. Yeah, we'd love it. <laughs> yeah. And, and if you're busy, you know, you can leave us a voicemail as well. Either way, we'd love to hear from you, buddy. And um, yeah, I think that'd be cool. But so, yeah. So listeners, Josh gives us an eight and he says, buy it. And uh, for me, it's like 8.5. I say buy it for, for sure. And if you don't believe us, it's streaming right now on Netflix. Watch instantly. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that sounds good. Now I got, um, I got something kind of unusual here. <laughs> um, do you remember back in January of 2014, just a couple months ago, um, Christina Ricci was going to be starring in Lizzie Borden took an axe. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Okay. And did you end up seeing that, Josh? No, I did not. Okay. Now, here's the funniest thing about this. I just got to give this little preface out there. I believe it was on um, Weekly Horror Movie Podcast, but I've heard a lot of other people do it, too. Um, you know, a lot of times when we want to be disparaging of a horror movie and rip on it, when it ends up being more of a drama than anything else, we'll, we'll like we'll say that it's uh it's a lifetime movie right like which is <laughs> which is hilarious cuz the connotation is that okay that's just like a sappy drama well this literally was a lifetime movie <laughs> <laughs> and it was on lifetime on tv and um so it was it was like tv 14 was the rating right but i'll tell you having watched it because right now it's currently at Redbox. You can get this at Redbox. Um, <laughs> you know, there's some strong imagery. And even though the gore, and, and most of it's after effects, you know, even though the gore is done somewhat okay. I mean, it's fairly well. I mean, it's fairly decent. It, you can tell. I mean, it looks fake sometimes, but it's still pretty explicit in showing gore, you know? Yeah. So... so I was surprised by that, and I'm like, well, how did this make a, you know, a TV 14 rating? But, so, the first thing people probably want to know, this Lizzie Board movie here, um, it is a Lifetime movie, you know, it is a drama first, and a mystery second, and a horror movie third. I mean, the horror elements are light, and the problem is, you know, kind of inherent in the story where... You know, there are two victims that are murdered in this. I mean, I'm sure everybody knows the story. Right, Josh, or not? Do you, do you assume that people, most of horror I don't know. Fans... I mean, I, I I am, but I don't know that everyone is. Okay. Well, I won't... Let's see. Well, that's going to make it tricky then to talk about this film, because I tell you, obviously, the film is based on, you know, her... It's accident. based on an his- yeah, it's a. I mean, for people who don't know, Lizzie Borden was someone who lived in the 1800s and uh, was tried for axe murder, axe murdering. <laughs> yes, of her parents. Right. So yes, and it was her stepmother and her father. Step, yeah, right. Her step parents. Yeah, it was her actual biological father and her stepmother. Oh, okay. Okay. But yes. Um. So 
you know, I will say I did some research on this because I didn't know like tons and tons about her, right? But um, so I did some research and one thing that's really impressive is the details that we know or the details that we had, this film actually sticks sticks to those very well. So if this is a story that you want to see told well and the performances are great, I mean, Christina Ricci is such a, <laughs> she's kind of a bizarre um, actress and she really pulls mm-hmm. off some unsettling creepy roles and she does a brilliant job in this I think she does it very well but I just want to tell the horror fans out there I mean it is a drama first you know like a a crime slash mystery I mean it's got that whole um, police procedural slash courtroom drama element to it yeah. and then and then because you know the the actual scary parts are just like two instances they they keep showing us flashes and different images of it but it's kind of like they really kind of shoehorn that in in order to get the horror elements there so i just want people to be aware of that so i would almost look at this as more of a crime film with yeah. with some disturbing imagery more than a straight up horror film so that's interesting to know i mean, i um i i uh Really, I'm interested in kind of like true crime stuff. And there's actually a great biography channel documentary about Lizzie Borden. Um, but it is interesting to know that it's not a horror movie. I feel like it seems like you could still do it as a horror movie, though. Well, yeah, but the thing is, with most horror films, I mean, the victims are many, right? You know, you've yeah. got one monster, whether it's a person or a creature, and it's taking out several. So it's one versus many. Sure. And and then this, it's kind of, um, it's somewhat isolated. And so I, I think it's hard. I mean, I could see a short film, a tremendous short film being a horror film around this. But I think it's hard to make a feature length film with this story, personally. Well, I mean, just think about we are what we are that we just watched. I mean, I think you can be, if you if you're a good filmmaker... And you work with tension and tone atmosphere, <laughs> then it's possible. Yeah, I would think. I'm I'm just saying. I think this would be really difficult. I mean, it would be a okay. leap to make it. I mean, that's just my personal opinion. But yeah, I mean, you know the craft, and and I don't because you Maybe do not. it. But I mean, how would you approach this though? So if you got just two murders, right? How would you approach this in a feature? I just story? don't think I. I don't think I would frame it with the, with the trial. I guess because that that immediately makes it feel less like a horror movie. I think to be framed by, by the trial. I think you just take it. You build. You know, maybe you do the Ty West thing where you build to the conclusion. Yeah. Um, well, but, uh, uh, well, I'm not a filmmaker, but I'll tell you what I would do if anybody cares. Okay. Like, like, no, I'm cu- I'm cu- I mean, I don't, I haven't seen the movie, so it's hard to say what they did wrong. But. Okay. Well, I would take this. I mean, this would be a straight up um, hard R and the, um, the murders would be, I think in order to do this as a horror film, they would have to be absolutely explicit and unflinchingly realistic with the best practical effects that you can possibly pull off that you can possibly conjure and maybe with very slight cgi enhancements and i think if you if you witness this as if you were witnessing the real thing i think it would be horrifying because the nature of of these crimes is just 
way, way out there. I mean, it is intense and it is horrifying on that level. So why do you think? It, so why are we just saying you didn't think it could be a horror movie? Well, I think it would be difficult. Is all I'm saying. I mean, I think that you know, I think it would be, work as a great short film, a short uh-huh. horror film. I mean, so like, you know, the next time they do VHS movie. <laughs> I mean, the ABCs of death. When you get L, just get, you know, the next director gets it. Yeah, do do L as for Lizzie and then do a short film on this. And I think you could just blow everybody out of the water with this. I love the cast from what I'm seeing on IMDb. I love Billy Campbell. Love Billy Campbell. Mm -hmm. I like Cleo Duvall and Greg Henry. Christina Ricci, I'm actually the least interested in of all the actors, but. Oh, no, 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 no. She is. She makes it. She does make it. I mean, she pulls this off. Um, I'm telling you. I mean, really, and and honestly, like you made me think, Josh, because you're the one really who kind of brought it to my attention that just because something happened in real life, we can't assume that everybody knows all the details about it. So I I came on this podcast and I was prepared to talk about a lot of the details of this trial because I was going to put in my um the extra research that I got as well, like some of those facts and stuff. But now I'm thinking, well, I don't want to ruin any would-be surprises for people because as you watch the film, some of that stuff is crazy to learn. It did happen in the 1800s. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, 18- not, not every, some of our, some of our listeners weren't even born in the, in the 1980s, let alone the 1880s. <laughs> well, that's true. Some of them. But, you know, the van- <laughs> the vampiric ones are, you know, <laughs> I'll tell you how I encountered Lizzie Borden for the first time was that little jump rope rhyme that people say, the little song, which is like, Lizzie Borden took an axe and gave her mother 40 wax. When she saw what she had done, she gave her father 41. And actually, that's not true, by the way. It's not that. That's creepy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's a little song. And I used to hear people sing that and stuff while they're jump roping. But actually, um, you know, it was not that many. Her stepmother had like 18, maybe 19 wax. And her father had 11. But they talk about where those were and how they were in the film. And it is genuinely scary. I mean, it's just, it's really upsetting. So, um, by the way, there's another film from 1975 called The Legend of Lizzie Borden. I never saw that. Did you, Josh? No, and I was just looking. There's a movie called Lizzie Borden's Revenge. Yeah. The, the Axe is Back. And I was like, so this is a sequel, but it came out the year before Lizzie Borden took an axe. So maybe <laughs> maybe it's a sequel to the one that you're talking about. Well, look at the cover art on that. It's... um. It's oh yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So when people look at that, they'll probably get a better idea of what it what it is. I see. Okay. Now, okay, I'll, I'll give a couple little facts here that actually aren't in the film, and um, you know, maybe because I just wanted to add some interest here for the for the podcast, just for fun. Um, there are a lot of ben- bizarre details about this story, and um, the the more you learn about it, the more it's like. This is a weird little chapter, but for example, she had, Lizzie Borden had an older sister, and um, this older sister ended up dying the same year, in fact, just nine days after Lizzie Borden died, um, which was later in life. I think Lizzie died at the age of 66, and it was of pneumonia, 
after complications with the gallbladder surgery or whatever. But it's just weird that her isn't that crazy that that's how you die if you're an axe murderer is of pneumonia at, at in your sixties. Yeah, that's nuts. I know it is really nuts. And yeah, I mean, if if people don't know what happens with this trial and stuff, I'll just leave that as a surprise. But um. Man, so when you watch this film, here's what I would encourage people to do. When you watch this film, when you're done watching it, go to the Wikipedia page for Lizzie Borden and read it. It's actually pretty interesting. I think you'll enjoy yourself um, in a, you know, a morbid kind of way. So, oh, I will say one one other little fact here that, that's not really covered in the film in depth. It's interesting and weird. So the victim's heads, the two victim's heads were actually removed for the autopsy. and um. After the skulls were used as evidence during the trial, they actually took those heads and then buried them at the foot of each grave. <laughs> I mean, is that weird or what? Yeah, seems weird. <laughs> I mean, it's like, why Why wouldn't you bury their heads back with their bodies or at least at the top of their bodies? <laughs> it's just, I mean, it bugs me. It's like... Come on, haven't these people been through enough? Now their heads are down there. You're going to have some kind of weird Beetlejuice situation. But um, anyway, it just bugs me. I don't mean any disrespect to those poor people. But, but no. uh, of course. But anyway, that's a, a terrible story. Um, the movie is actually, I mean, especially for a Redbox rental. You guys know how hard I am on Redbox. Um, this isn't too bad. Um I think it's fairly well done. And in terms of a drama crime film with a couple of horror elements, I give it a 7 out of 10. And I say, Rent, Lizzie Borden took an axe. You going to check that one out, Josh? Yeah. I mean, I I thought you were leading up to it was going to suck because, you know, because of the way you were describing it. But it sounds like it was not bad at all. No, it's it's not bad. And I'm the guy, if you remember, I don't really like period pieces. I don't really like period horror, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, this is, as you said, it's like the late 1800s. And uh, I'm not really into that. And it's still uh, pretty well done. So, but honestly, I think probably a lot of people will be like, oh, that's weak sauce. Like, there's not, you know, not much to it. But uh, I just think it's well done. It's a three ninety nine rental on Amazon Prime. I'm probably more apt to do that than go to Redbox. So. Why? It's only a buck twenty eight at Redbox. Come on. I don't like Redbox. Oh, I understand. They put they put video stores out of business. Now, video stores would have still eventually gone out of business because of Netflix, but it was Redbox's fault first. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I can respect that. <laughs> All right, so to start wrapping up here, we just got a couple other things, Josh, and then we'll take off and call it a call it an episode. But um, I just want to can I just say one other thing I don't like about Redbox? Please do. Uh, go ahead. It's, I mean, you can rip on Redbox all you want. I don't care. It's the way they get you. Is there's I just never remember to take it back. So those those fees add up so quickly. I would pay. I would end up paying more than if I just rented on. I rented on Amazon. I've got twenty nine days to watch it or something, you know, and then I just click play whenever I want on my TV. Totally. Whereas I, you know, I get it with from Redbox, and all of a sudden I'm in a race, you know, <laughs> I can't, I can't handle that <laughs> too much pressure. <laughs> right. Well, I'm with you. All right. Well, I, we want to thank the people who left iTunes reviews. As you know, uh, that really helps our podcast a great deal. So I want to read those and just give thanks here. Um, KTL 
wrote great recommendation um five stars she put recommended by my nephew and i always follow his suggestions so we thank um ktl's nephew as well yeah absolutely (laughs) and then uh tony is on fire from buffalo new york he said epic intelligent fun and thought-provoking five stars he said this is a must listen to podcast for any horror fan out there the discussion of film ranges all the way from absolute classics to brand new releases no subgenre or age discrimination going on here (laughs) they literally cover it all the three hosts make for an enjoyable mix and mesh very well together while not being afraid to set each other straight for their sometimes flawed opinions. Sorry, <laughs> Sorry I got to do that to you sometimes, Josh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it says, uh, their discussions are intelligent and thought-provoking as they analyze horror films while treating them with respect that reach out to entertain an audience of young and old. I cannot stress that enough. Many podcasts tend to lead toward one demographic of horror fans while this is universally targeted. Hosts include Jay of the Dead, who is awesome and will never miss an opportunity to include fan feedback on the shows while keeping the community together through web discussions. And Dr. Shock, who has a wealth of film knowledge and continues to impress me with how much information he can store in his head about films in general. No IMDB needed here. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true about him. And Wolfman Josh, a filmmaker himself that has no problem setting Jay of the Dead straight (laughs) from time to time (laughs) when he feels Jay may not give certain films the cred they deserve. He is also extremely dedicated, podcasting from all across the country, wherever he may be at that moment. Here, here on that. He says, keep up the awesome work, guys. So uh, thank you. Tony's on fire. It's very Thanks, kind. Tony. That was nice. Okay. And then Mike D. Welch gave us an iTunes review and he wrote um, ESQ period. What does that stand for? Do you know? That would be Esquire, I would assume. Okay. Does that less Preston Esquire like on a okay. Bill Ted's Excellent Adventure? Does that it means the first? It means the first, I believe. Oh wow, this is really um you know cerebral the comment then. Nice job, Mike Welch. He gave a five stars and he said, "Love to listen to you guys. Would like to let Jay know that 1922 Nosferatu is boring, and so is pretty much any 1920s 30s movie." <laughs> now I know. They were the start and all, but give me a Chris Lee Hammer movie any day. So that's hilarious. <laughs> so <laughs> so props out there, Mike Welch. And then this this one, it was the first one to use the beast from the east. <laughs> I don't know if you knew about that, Josh, but um, one sick puppy said that he was going to award his copies of the Jan Gal movies to the first person who left an iTunes review for us and included the beast from the East in the review. (laughs) (laughs) So this guy, uh, um, I says, says CPA is a wonderful five stars. He said, love the podcast. I started listening to many horror movie podcasts. This is one of the best, the beast from the East. And then finally, Jarrett wrote beast from the East, five stars, simply the best, a true beast from the East the chief so thank you guys for your itunes reviews that's really awesome and then we have a uh listener voicemail here joshua and this is from levi the unknown murderer are you ready for this i can't wait i know (laughs) let's let's hear it (laughs) he brings it he sent one to this podcast and he also sent us one for movie podcast weekly so uh, i love it here it is 
Yeah. Hey guys, it's Levi, the Unknown Murderer. I'm calling about your review of The Hills Have Eyes Part 2, the remake, not the original from 85. Uh, calling because I uh, love the, the remake of The Hills Have Eyes. That, that movie's a nine for me, and it's so grim and dark and well-made, and just uh, it's just so good in so many ways. And then I was very excited to go see The Hills Have Eyes Part 2 remake, because, you know, Wes Craven and his son wrote the movie. At least they got, you know, Craven got writing credit because uh, he at least worked on the first installment of Part 2. But his son writes this movie. I think Wes wrote it with him. And um, it sucked. And I'm surprised you guys never mentioned the part where two of the female privates... Sorry, that was gross. Uh, never mind. Uh, the female um, army women or whatever... They uh, have a conversation after some of them have been dying, and I just remember the blonde saying to the girl with dark hair that they, and I'm paraphrasing here, let's make sure that we don't separate because that way we can't be killed. And then the other girl agrees, and then she says, I have to go to the bathroom. I've got to pee. And she gets up, and she goes off by herself, and she gets killed. And her friend I thought to myself in the theater, that is one of the stupidest things I've ever seen in my life. There was no sense that it was done out of a sense of fun or that it was some kind of joke. I don't know. That was just awful. And the whole movie stunk. I will never watch it again. Uh, yeah, I watched in fear. I thought I was going to come in a lot higher on that one. But for me, that was the 5.5 and kind of lame. I, I mean, it was decently made. It was competent. But, dude... I, I saw the reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, and it blows my mind that that was just trumped up as highly as it was. I expected something a whole lot better. I didn't go in with super high expectations after hearing your review. And honestly, just to be honest, I looked at it and I went, all right. That was okay, I guess, but not much there. But anyway, I'll talk to you later. You know what, Josh? I'm reminded, as li- I listened to that, of earlier in the podcast where I'm like, hey, Josh, are you going to watch Contracted? And you're like... Yeah, I'm gonna watch it because it's streaming, you know. <laughs> like, and, and see, this reminds me too of um, like I believe it was Juan and Levi both apparently like they're both expecting a lot from In Fear, and I try to tell people In Fear that there's not that much to it, and it's not super great. It was like a low, low priority rental for me, and um, they just still. I, I guess these guys were just holding out hope, but um, you know, I try to tell them, Josh. Just saying, <laughs> just saying. Have you seen In Fear, Josh? No, I haven't. Okay. Man, I, it, I, and I should tell the listeners, I should apologize because really I shouldn't even be podcasting at all at this point. I, I have seen so few movies over the last five months. It's starting to be ridiculous. I just, uh, I've been working so much. I don't, I don't get a chance to see much. But hey, you know, you saw We Are What We Are and you're here tonight. So that's true. That's true. And we loved having you. So, so Josh, what did you think about his um, comments on The Hills Have Eyes, too? Because honestly, I half admire what Levi was saying because this is obviously a man who loves the cinema and he just loves films and he wants them to be good. But I think he's a little bit, I think he's being a little bit too hard on this film saying he's never going to watch it again. Because to me, The Hills Have Eyes, too is kind of like, it's better than, but it's kind of like in the same category for me as Alien Resurrection, which I love. Guilty pleasure. <laughs> what about you? Well, um, I'm a huge fan of The Hills Have Eyes too, but I'm talking about the original, not the remake. 
So well, see, for me, it's because of the original The Hills Have Eyes too <laughs> that I that I can appreciate and be thankful for this remake version of the sequel. Because it's like way better than that, but it, <laughs> at least it's not the original remake, it, or at least it's not the original sequel. <laughs> exactly, that's what I'm saying. So, anyway, Levi, I don't, I don't know. I mean, to each his own, but I'm just saying. I think you're <laughs> counting that one out a little bit because it's dumb. <laughs> anyway, it sounds like Wes Craven's son is a big fan of Scream, and so he was he was trying to reference that same uh, kind of idea, but maybe not. Maybe there was no sense of fun, as Levi said. That's right. All right. Well, we want to thank. Um, the listeners for their iTunes reviews and for the voicemail there. Um, if you want to call in to a horror movie podcast, we have the phone number there in the show notes for this episode. And as we wrap up here, I'm going to try to do this in as little time as possible here, Josh. So help me out. As far as changes to the show, Josh, I just, um, number one, I want to make the show uh, leaner and meaner. And when I say that, I mean, I want to really get some good horror movie reviews in there where we're spending some time really like wrestling with the films. Like, like I feel good about the way this episode went and I really liked, um, you know, the way we talked about, we are what we are tonight, for example. And I, I like it when we, when we dive deep into there and I know that you, Josh appreciate our themed episodes. And I would like to do those more frequently because I feel like we could probably get to those more often than we are. Yeah, for me, that's where it's at. And, you know, when we first started doing the podcast, we knew that these Frankenstein episodes were going to have to exist because, you know, um, Doc and I are both kind of um, committed to other podcasting endeavors, mine with you as well. But, um, but you know, I've always been mostly excited about the themed episodes, and I would like to be doing those twice as much and doing the Frankenstein episodes half as much, if, you know. <laughs> right. So that, that's kind of how I feel about it. But it's your show, and I'm and I'm here to serve you and the and the fans. So <laughs> I'm not joking when I say that. Well, so. I, that's very kind. Well, the thing is, for me, uh, when I listen, see, I'm a you and I are both podcast lovers and podcast not with each other, obviously. <laughs> That came out all wrong. Thanks for yeah. Thanks for making that clear. <laughs> we both love podcasts. Is what I'll yes, say. Absolutely. Yeah, it's like it's like Levi's um female privates line there. Yeah. I, I like that. <laughs> but anyway, we both love podcasts and we appreciate them and and so forth. And so because of that, um, you know, we know what we like in podcasts. And for me, when I listen to movie podcasts, I don't want a lot of like wasting time about stuff like we're doing now, like the administrative stuff, it kind of drives me nuts when I hear this back and I'm like, oh, we're doing this to people again. And so I just want to be like into the movies. And then so on that note, you know, with our, our listener feedback and comments, um, <laughs> even though I was complimented earlier on it in the iTunes review, um, our com we get so many comments like, like um, I think two episodes ago, it was like episode 14. I think we had like around 95 comments. Wolfman, it's it's up in the nineties. Yeah. And um yeah. the thing is, like I think that that one episode that was like eight hours long, um, we had like three hours of going through the comments. And yeah. I I just feel like number one, that's insanity. And 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 I'm grateful for all those comments, but I feel like we should I, I just made this decision and I hope the listeners are okay with this. Uh they have enough of an awesome community and these guys are like talking with each other so well. 
I feel like I would like to try to address those like on the comment boards with them and jump in the fray there rather than use the podcast time when we could be reviewing more horror movies. Right. Do you agree I with agree. that? Okay. Absolutely. I mean, I, again, I've kind of been, already been the jerk, the one on record is saying that. Um, but I, you know, it's not that I don't appreciate the comments. I, I love them and I love that, that they have, have now taken on a life of their own. I think it's amazing. Um, we we're very lucky to have listeners who are passionate, as passionate as we are in some cases, more passionate and yes. more educated than we are. Yes. Um, but, uh, but, you know, I just think to take all that time in the podcast is just, I don't know. I just think it's a bit much. I think, like you said, I'd rather be just talking about the movies and, and let that be its own thing. Absolutely. And, and two other things on that very fast. Like I, I think, you know, we could, we should still in every episode, throw in a few listener comments on the show. Just talk about a couple of them that just kind of stood out to us for whatever reason. And I think and what I, what I said is, you know, if you have something that's directly for us, then write an email or leave a voicemail and we'll, we will talk about it. But I feel like, you know, there's a lot of discussion that, you know, and we may jump in on it, but it's also to the community. And a lot of that discussion is, I think, belongs on the message board. I think that's a great place for it. And the listeners can interact with one another. Like you said, uh, episode 14 has 97 comments as I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> I don't even know if I commented on that episode. So sometimes I'm half the comments, but I don't think I even commented <laughs> once on that one. So that's a, you know, that's a lot of interaction that's going on between our listeners. And I think that's amazing. It is amazing, honestly. And yeah, when I, I just want to, um, you know, just tell them we appreciate it and everything. But so, yeah, we're going to do that and we'll highlight a couple comments each episode. But honestly, I will try to be more active Um in the comment section myself and on Twitter. And by the way, Josh, when you said we all will, we're all going to, we're all going to commit. If we do, if I think if we go this direction, we all have to commit to being active on the step it up on the message board. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Cause, cause I, my worst nightmare, even scarier than like Lizzie Borden here is I don't want people to think that we don't appreciate it, you know? And it's like, whatever they write to us. Like, so, you know, like I don't want to be that guy. And so I want to engage in those comments as well. Um, and by the way, to answer what you said, Josh, when you said that, um, you know, we would only address like things that people sent to us that, that three hours of comments, I actually mm-hmm. went through and I cherry picked the stuff that was specifically questions asked to us. And so that three hours was just the wow. direct information. <laughs> so so well, I'm saying in a separate email, that's not on the message boards, maybe. There you go. Okay. Well, yeah, we get lots of those too, which I love. So, so <laughs> that's great. Honestly, keep we'll, them- we'll have to figure out. Yeah. We're going to have to just start figuring out how to do it, but yeah. you know, like here's, here's one, um, from the dude, right? Mm-hmm. He wrote, he gave his reviews of every Argento film that he's seen. Nice. So I've, I keep promising that I'm going to start my new yellow scare r- reviews, which will be, uh, Giallas. And now the dude's already spoiled 15 of them in one. Co- <laughs> <laughs> the dude is hardcore. I'm, I'm just joking. I'm just no, so thanks a lot, the dude. You ruined my whole new segments. <laughs> that's awesome. You just can't. You just can't hang with the dude. Is what it is, Josh. I, I mean, know. No. Ads. <laughs> I'm scrambling. Oh, that's hilarious. So anyway, thank you guys once again. And the other thing is, is it it does cost money, of course, to store the mp3 files and so when you have that kind of content and that much content you know it gets kind of pricey but having said that our halloween extravaganza which is going to be huge in october 
that's still going to be nuts and and huge. But um, also, I'm going to be putting PayPal buttons on Horror Movie Podcast, just like we have over on Movie Podcast Weekly. And so if you want to support the show, then you can become a, a subscriber where you do um, $2 a month. You know, you commit to paying $2 a month to donate to the show for as long as you want, you know, indefinitely, hopefully. <laughs> or you can do a one-time donation. So we'll have that on there. And we have people that do that on occasion over on our other podcast, and it's really nice. And that can help us offset the cost of, um, you know, the, <laughs> the media file storage space. Allow us to do some longer episodes, right? Yeah, yeah. So so the bottom line on that is if you want the longer episodes, then, you know, hook us up on the PayPal <laughs> and, and we'll we'll bring them to you. So anyways. So you're you're going to focus on quality over quantity at this point. Yeah, because that's what you're saying. Absolutely. Because I want it to be as many horror movie reviews as possible, because this is called horror movie podcast. I know that's why the listeners are tuning in. I mean, it's it's fun to goof off and stuff and we we have some funny conversations, but I just want to be down to business on these reviews and be hardcore on that and and less of this administrative talk like we were just doing for the past 5 minutes. So, does that sound good to you, Wolfman? Sounds good to me, man. Well, I think that just about wraps up episode 16 of Horror Movie Podcast. We thank you for listening and we hope you've enjoyed this episode. And um, I want to thank my good friend here, the Wolfman, Josh Legary. Um, <laughs> it was cool of you to take the time to be here, buddy. I know that you've been having insane work schedule lately, and we all appreciate yeah. you. Come, uh, I think this movie I'm working on will end in mid to late July, and then I'll have a lot more time to watch movies and talk about them. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that more than any of you are. That's for sure. <laughs> that's right. But a man's got to work. So uh, we're proud of you. But anyway, we just want people to know that if you can leave a comment there in the show notes for these episodes or, uh, and we do see the comments, honestly. Um, and you can email us at horror movie podcast at gmail.com. And we're on Twitter at, Horror Movie Cast. You can leave us a voicemail at 801-382-8789. And you can find all our back episodes as well as the archive for the weekly Horror Movie Podcast and Horror Metropolis at our website, which is horrormoviepodcast.com. And just want to thank Frederick Ingram for the use of his music for our theme song. And you can find more of Fred's music at frederickingram.com. And so, Josh, I want to ask you if you have any um, plugs or final words for the listeners. Uh, not especially, other than I'm going to hopefully be seeing again some more horror movies. I, I did talk about Byzantium and Only Lovers Left Alive on uh, episode 83 of Movie Podcast Weekly, our sister podcast. So come listen to me and Jay over there, and you can hear me talk about those movies. Hopefully we will be talking about both of them in depth with uh, Jay and Dr. Shock's opinions on them as well. But We will. Oh, that'll give you something to listen to. Yeah. Um, and that's about it. Yeah, follow Horror Movie Cast on Twitter. Yes, and um, by the way, you guys, uh, when I wrote to Dr. Walking Dead, I mentioned that earlier, he's swamped right now, but he says that, and I think it's late summer is what he said, he's he's planning on jumping on with us a couple times and, you know, trying to get some episodes in. So if you guys miss Dr. Walking Dead like we do, he'll be back. So 
our friend Dr. Shock, check him out over at Land of the Creeps. He's on that show as well as DVDinfatuation.com and on Twitter at DVDinfatuation. And we'll have all this linked in the show notes for this episode. And I, I think that's it. So we thank you for listening to episode 16. You can join us again in two weeks for Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. 